The Colossal Elephant of Coney Island from The Scientific American. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The reputation that the American people have long had of always doing everything on the grandest possible scale has lately received a very substantial confirmation in the two monuments that have recently been bestowed upon this country. The Washington Monument and the Statue of Liberty are the greatest works of art in height and magnitude that have been raised by the hands of man since the Tower of Babel. In addition to these, there is a third monument, facetiously styled the Eighth Wonder of the World, that has recently been raised in the neighborhood of New York. That, for one reason, deserves to be named in the same connection with the foregoing, namely, on account of its size. The colossal elephant at Coney Island has not been favored with much serious public attention, owing to the fact, principally, that it is not an artistic work, and secondly, because it is the project and property of a stock company, whose unexalted aim was to rear a structure that would serve not so much to elevate the public mind artistically, nor to stand as a monument to some of our noted forefathers, but rather to abstract the unwary dime from the inquisitive sightseer. This fact, and the grotesque nature and enormous size of the Colossus, has deprived it, up to this time, of much consideration. But this should not deter us from inquiring how a building of such unique design and original construction was called into being. It was designed and built under the personal supervision of the architect Mr. J. Mason Kirby of Atlantic City, New Jersey. It was first intended to make an hotel, but later this idea was abandoned, and it was decided to construct the interior with the purpose of using it as an auditorium for concerts, etc., while the platform on the top, or the howdah, as it is termed, would serve as an observatory. The elephant is constructed of wood throughout and is covered with sheet tin. The total length from the trunk to the back part of the hind legs is 150 feet. The platform of the howdah is 88 feet from the ground, and the total height to top of crescent on flagpole is 150 feet. The height from ground to body, when standing immediately underneath, is 24 feet. The legs are 18 feet in diameter, and the two hind legs are provided with circular stairways leading to and from the rooms above. The first room reached in passing up the stairs is termed the stomach room, and is dignified with this title, not because it is provided with the wherewithal to cheer the inner man, but owing to its special location in the body of the beast. The different rooms in the animal are likewise christened after their particular location, as the thigh room, brain room, hip room, etc. The grand hall, or auditorium, is reached upon ascending the stairs, and this is found to be very spacious and airy, the ceiling being very high and slightly dome-shaped. A gallery passes all round the hall. At the further end of it, a flight of stairs leads to what forms, in fact, a continuation of the main hall, only on a higher plane. The main hall is 80 feet long and 32 feet wide, while the upper part of the main hall is 36 feet long and triangular in shape. There are 34 rooms in the structure in all, which are located principally between the walls of the hall and the outer walls of the structure. Most of them are quite small and are very extraordinary in shape, their walls conforming to the shape without of that particular section of the Colossus. The eyes which form the windows of two of these rooms are four feet in diameter. The tusks are 36 feet long and five feet eight inches in diameter. In laying the foundation of the structure, the builders met with some difficulty, owing to the instability of the soil, 
it being simply a sandy beach. Piles were driven to a great depth, and a solid platform was raised on top of the piles and secured firmly thereon. A second platform, which was designed to bear the direct weight of the Colossus, was constructed above this, and was supported on vertical timbers strengthened by inclined braces reaching to the platform, with a view of resisting great lateral as well as great vertical strains. After the foundations were completed, work was commenced upon the visible portion of the building, the legs being the first point of attack. Yellow pine posts, 12 by 16 inches, were first raised above the platform, and, being bolted to the flooring beneath, were made self-supporting. Two posts, 42 feet long, were thus raised in each leg, and twelve smaller timbers placed in a circle so as to enclose the main posts were also bolted to the platform in a similar manner to form the outer wall of the leg. These timbers were joined at the top by connecting beams. Cranes were mounted on the platforms thus formed, to which the material was raised as the work progressed. The difficulties increased, however, with the work, and it became necessary to secure the services of the most skilled workmen. Not only was this so on account of the dizzy height that the structure attained, but to the necessity of conforming the construction to the peculiar emergencies that arose, it being requisite to form nearly all the parts on the spot under the immediate personal supervision of the architect. The weight of the structure is carried, as may be seen by the engraving, by five supports, the four legs and the trunk. Commencing at what is now the flooring of the main hall, trusses were raised on each side and at the two ends of the hall, and these trusses, the bottom cords corresponding with the floor and the top cords with the ceiling of the hall, constitute the principal support of the ribs. It will be seen from this that what might be termed an immense box girder was formed, the ends of which are supported by the front and hind legs respectively. The ribs weigh directly upon the upper cords at the four corners, but at other points the ribs bear away from the cords owing to the enlargement of the body under the howdah. At these points it was necessary to extend the vertical and horizontal members of each truss from the wall and ceiling until they intersected with ribs. In addition to this, an arched rib, corresponding to the backbone, is carried from the main support of the hind legs to the neck of the monster, where it bears indirectly upon the vertical support of the front legs. The ribs in the body of the colossus are forty in number, and each consists of six sections bolted firmly together. As they serve to give consistency and rigidity to the whole structure, they form an important element in its construction. They are about seven inches in width and are placed two feet apart, measuring from center to center. The head framing is similar in general construction to that of the body and is supported by the trunk and forward supports of the front legs. It is provided with twelve ribs. Great difficulty was experienced in raising the ears and adjusting them in position in the head. This was principally due to their enormous weight, some six tons each, and the great height to which they had to be raised, and the difficulty of securing such an enormous mass securely to drums which had been prepared to receive them in each side of the head. In addition to being bolted firmly in position at these points, iron rods were extended from the main trusses within through the ears at two points below the drum. The ears are some thirty-four feet long by twenty feet wide. The architect depends upon the enormous weight of the elephant and upon iron rods that pass from the trusses above, through the legs, and connect with the foundation platform to hold the colossus in its position. He has kindly furnished us with a few statistics that may be of interest. 
The Colossus, he informs us, weighs about 100,000 tons. It contains 1,500,000 square feet of timber, and 700 kegs of nails were consumed in its construction. In addition to this, seven tons of bolts were disposed of, and it required 35,000 square feet of tin to cover its surface. In size, it compares favorably with many of the large hotels and other structures in its neighborhood, and some idea of its magnitude may be had by comparing it with a jumbo, which is drawn in scale by its side, and which would find plenty of room for a promenade within one of the legs of the Colossus. End of The Colossal Elephant of Coney Island From Scientific American Knowledge, 1885 Page 333